You're listening to the World Famous White Roof Radio, with cast number 596 for Wednesday, June 15th, 2016. Tonight, brought to you by CravenSpeed.com, MotoringStripes.com, and NowMotoring.com. Mini performance, speed, and style, SellMotoring.com. Hey, everybody. Uh, we are here tonight. We are without DB. He's on vacation. He's uh, celebrating his birthday week with his parents in California. But happy we, birthday, DB. Yes, happy belated birthday, DB. Happy we are here birthday. live with Alex, Chad, and Mr. Bridger is back with us. Um, Hello. Yeah. There you go, gentlemen. How are you doing? Great. Well, good to be on the show. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Same. Yeah. We're gonna we're gonna tonight talk about um, we're gonna cover some uh, mini news, and then the second half of the show we're gonna do an Ask Chad segment, an extended segment on uh, wheels and tires for mini. That a lot of people have been just jonesing for, which uh, it's funny, and it's good. DB's not here because he'd be—he's audibly rolling his eyes from California right now. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes, he is. He—he—he he, he really is. But um, anyway, so tonight we're going to dive right into this and talk about something that I heard this last week from Inside Mini, and that is the fact that the existing R60 Countryman. The, the very countryman that is on your your dealer showroom floors now is actually ramping up production for the rest of the year. Ramping down, you mean? No, ramping up. They're making I'm... more of these. They're making as many as possible. And that is because they are under contractual obligations for a certain number of vehicles with the manufacturer, Magnus Steyr, in Austria. Um, Gabe, have you heard anything along these uh, lines? Um, well, so I know that uh, what I had heard was that there was going to be crossover between the, uh, as far as on the lots, yeah, um, to expect crossover between the two, no pun intended, right? Um, but and it makes sense because they are contractually obligated. Uh, BMW is going to be making other vehicles with Magnus Stare, but um, not to this degree. And so I think uh, it, it, yeah, totally makes sense that they're they're going to have to you know do more. I mean, I think they ended. <clears throat> You know, they BMWs used of a lot of different things, everything from uh, X3s to to the uh, you know to the countrymen. So, you know, the the fact that they moved X3s to Spartanburg a couple of years ago, uh, potentially a little early, could be basically could be impacting this right now. Yeah, it, it is because then they're left with. Hey, we've got a contract with this company to make cars, a certain number of cars, and there's a bunch left. So, anyway, they're ramping up production of the Countryman for the rest of the year. And what that means is, if you're even mildly interested in one of these cars, you're going to get some smoking deals through the rest of the year. Um, I'm told that your 0% financing is going to go through the end of the year now. So... It's a great time to get some really good financing on a countryman. And I, I'm not mistaken. I, I may be mistaken. I, I frequently am. But I think the 0% goes for up to 72 months. I mean, that's free money for so six I'm gonna, years. No, I'm just going to tell everybody, yeah. don't do it. <laughs> <laughs> okay, why? Why? Let's, let's, let's well, hear. because I think the countryman is a, is, a, is a fine. It's actually a really good car. It's actually, you know... It's a good car. I'll put it this way. If you don't care about um, dynamic... Uh-oh, we lost um, you. Yeah. So, sorry, yeah. can, you, can you come can again? Can you come again? If you don't care about uh, dynamics... Can you hear me? Yep, yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah. If you don't care about dynamics and technology, then it's and it's excellent because I mean the truth is that the new one will be slightly larger. It'll be slightly heavier, but it won't. It will. It, you know, if what I'm told is true, it'll be slightly faster, and it'll be from a technology standpoint leagues beyond the current car. Well, the F56 so, is leagues beyond the current car, and I think that's right. Yeah, that's why. I mean, so that's it. Yeah, Countryman sales have been lagging of late. Anyway, they're still not doing too bad. No, they're not doing that bad. But when you walk into a showroom and you have a, you have a choice of three different four door minis. And one of them is the Countryman, the existing Countryman, with the old technology. Oh my gosh, I got into a Countryman this week that had a navigation screen. And I'm not kidding, it was tiny. It was, compared to even the screen that I have in my car, which is not the large screen, Gabe, that you have in your Clubman, the the screen in the old Countryman navigation system is so tiny, it just made me feel like I was in an antique car. So, well, and, and that's the big one. Yeah, that's the that's the largest screen that was that was uh, possible in that. So uh, it's a challenge. It's going to be a challenge for dealers, and I'm heard all kinds of incentives are going to be thrown at this. Like who knows what's going to happen? Possibly free all-wheel drive on Cooper S models, which is going to save you a couple of grand. Um, none of us here think you really need that, but if you want it and you have winter driving to do, that might be an option. All kinds of crazy incentives are going to come down. So, mm-hmm. hey, you may be able to get a good deal on this, you know, unless you listen to Gabe and says, wait, because <laughs> on the heels of that, we're talking about an imminent announcement, uh, a digital announcement on the web, Gabe, of the new F60 Countryman, which will be a 2017. Will they still call it a 2017? Be 2017. So here's, here's, my, here's my question, guys. So I had heard it was originally going to be, it was originally scheduled for late June. Um, there is a mini concept that's going to be released uh, very shortly, by the way, uh, maybe even by the time you're listening to this. And so there's going to be spacing that mini wants to do with that. So I'm guessing it's planned for late June, early July. I can't help but wonder, though, given the fact that they just made the call to increase production, and they're going to hold off. They, yeah, are they going to hold off? Because here's the thing: they've always, and I've always wondered why they've always introduced their cars that hit in Frankfurt, like sometime in July. Well, Frankfurt's not until September, so you've got yeah months. And I know that there's like several, like you know, sort of in-person appearances those cars may make during that time. But it seems a little crazy to me. I mean, if if I was just looking at it from logically, I would say let's hold off till August. Let's hold off till the you know we can we can just wait a little bit, and let's let's not like damper excitement for the current Countryman. Which I mean, I know I said wait, it's a fine car. Like I mean, I you know I've reviewed it a few times. I mean, my reviews have grown more tepid over the years as the thing has aged, as you can imagine. But it's still it's still. Uh, a unique within the marketplace. Okay, it still has the best turn in. It's still there's still a lot of interesting things about it. So historically, I'm just going to throw this out there, Gabe. You said early July. Historically, at uh, Mini Takes the States from 2006 until now, I know where had, you're going. They've had something to show. Mini Takes the States that. starts on July 9th. I am right. just going to throw this up against the wall and see if it sticks. Is there a possibility that there will be a pre-production model or something even camouflaged, mm-hmm. a version of this Countryman at Mini Takes the States? 
Even, I think that's always been a possibility if you look at the calendar. Even um, if it's just on a trailer at Palm Springs at the final stop, mm-hmm. there'll be something that you can see because we saw everything from the JCW uh, in 2008. We saw um, the, what was it? I think the Countryman came out. Yeah, in 2010, Mini Takes the yeah. States. Yep, they had a countryman there. Jim McDowell was driving one. They always kind of like to tease it out just a little bit early. The they they were hauling around on a trailer the uh, club van, which we all know what a smashing success that was. They sold all of 20, <laughs> 22 of those, I think, in the but, United States. But can we pause? Can we pause on that for a second? Sure. Was there only twenty two sold? I, Gabe, I think that, <laughs> I'm not kidding you. I think that was the total number sold in the U.S. The so, rarest Gina, I mini. I told you who has two of them. Uh, three used to be three, and they just sold one for pennies on the dollar. Mini of Chicago? Mini of Chicago. I mean, I just rode in one. Like, I mean, I want that car so bad. <laughs> and they're all manual. Yeah. Yeah. Ironically. Yeah, I think they, they made it too hard to get that car, though. Well, really. yeah. They, well, they made it too expensive to get that car. I think that's well, the that, biggest problem. That, that too. There was a $5,000 tax on top of the car, so. Yep. Yeah, it is, it is too difficult. That's why they pulled it uh, from the U.S. They're just like, no, this is this is not going to be successful. Nobody's gonna nobody's gonna stand for this. And 20- they, they needed to make, bring it up against the uh, that little Ford van, the the the, the transit, Eco, whatever the, the transit, the, the transit connect. Yeah, I mean, they totally needed to compete with that, and they yeah. were never going to be in that market. Yeah. So anyway, um, those are the things, and and the point here is that. I guess there's an outside possibility that we might see some sort of version of the new Countryman on mm-hmm. Mini Takes the States, which goes from yeah, I, I agree. July 9th to like the 23rd or something like that. It goes on for freaking half a month, I think. So it's yeah, no, a month I, long. I definitely yeah. agree. So anyway, and, uh, uh, yeah. yeah, Gabe, I think your your theory might be might hold true if if that happens. Um, if not, I think people are going to be disappointed in Mini Takes the States, but you know, <laughs> who, who knows? Well, I don't think they will. Mini Takes the States is going to be awesome. Yeah, it's I mean, going to be you know, awesome, yeah. yeah. You know, I think we're, yeah. So I think that that that, that aside, um, I, you know, I think I think it's fascinating. And I don't know if, if you want to dive into many sales right now or not, but I think it's it'll be interesting to see what those incentives do, not just to many sales, but to, you know, to obviously to the countrymen sales. Well, we will say that uh, so far for the year, we've, we uh, we keep talking about this. Many sales are down in the U.S. sixteen percent, while the rest of the world they're up over five percent, right? So mm-hmm. this is a big five point five point six percent. Two. Oh, okay. So uh, this is a big deal for the U.S. and it leaves a lot of people scratching their heads. Not only scratching their heads, it leaves executives going, "We have to do something, and we have to do something now," right? And um, you know, one thing, I haven't told you guys this. Did I say it in Slack or not? I have this wild uh, theory that, and get this, stick with me here. In March, Tesla took pre-orders for 400,000 Model 3s. Is that right? For 400,000 of these. That is approximately 2.5% of all cars sold in the U.S. in a year. Okay? All cars, this so far for the year... Oh yeah! All U.S. car sales are I, down about five and a half percent. And I don't think that's a wild theory, Todd. I think it absolutely affected certain certain marquees, and I think many could be one of them. Because four hundred thousand people put a thousand dollars down and said, "I'm willing to wait a year to make a car buying decision." Now, I understand things are going to happen in that meantime. People are going to wreck their cars. They're going to get totaled. They're going to get stolen. They're going to blow up. Whatever. There's a small percentage of that, but 
Two and a half percent of the car buying public in the United States every year just put a thousand dollars down on a new Model Three, and they're willing to wait a year to two years to get that car. So I think that's a big impact that nobody has really said. Wait, what? Look at the numbers; it's huge. I, I think I think their automakers are still in disbelief from that number. Still, it's, it's, because I think it hurts. You know, it stings. Well, look at that. Because, I mean, here's here's a company that is wasn't even making Carson years ago and they they almost globally impacted sales for a time on a on a car that hasn't that won't come out for another two years well yeah and they just took in what is that 400 million dollars of uh, I think in, it all told it wasn't in the billions as far as total it might have been like capital something. Just, just like yeah, instant like, instant yeah. capital so anyway that's my theory on on why sales are down and I think a lot of potential mini owners I know a few of them myself friends of mine who put the thousand dollars down on a new Tesla on a model three they're driving a mini now and they put the thousand dollars down and they're like i'm gonna I'm gonna see what happens it's fully refundable but hey your thousand dollars is gonna be tied up for the next twelve to eighteen months so I think that is a factor. Um, it's not gonna. It's not sixteen percent factor when you think about it, because Mini as a car, they sell about what sixty thousand cars a year in the U.S. Mm-hmm. R- roughly. So it's gonna take a little bit of a chunk out of that. Um, and Alex, you've said many times before that you think that Mini, the Tesla, has a target that a lot of people previously, you know, were Mini owners or that the car appealed to. Don't you think? No, I think the, I mean, the target, the, the, the demography is a lot of, uh, of people, obviously, that have been looking at the Model S for quite a while, uh, but we're not, a, you know, can't afford like this car, obviously. Uh, as far as the, as far as the buying public is concerned, like on the mini side, like I'm, I'm, I'm not, sh- I don't think, did I say this? If I said this, like I would probably change my opinion. The reason being is, um, if I look at San Francisco, for instance, where the you can see like an F56 pretty much on every other corner, mm-hmm. I don't know where people would charge their Model 3, honestly. Like all of those people who own a Mini in the city, like I have no idea where they would charge their Model 3. Because even if, uh, I haven't looked if there is a superchargers around like in the, within the city limits, uh, but if there is, you know, the amount of Model 3 they're selling is just not going to be enough. So, uh I mean, I'm hard pressed to to believe that um, a lot of people living in cities like New York, San Francisco, uh, maybe Chicago is different, but I, uh, would buy a Model Three. I still think uh, I don't think that's a factor at all because I'll tell you this: I fill up my uh, my new JCW, and you know I'll flip over to the uh, the onboard computer and it'll tell me how many miles I've got on my tank, and it tells me I can go 280 miles on a full tank, and we're talking about a car that's going to go 200 to 250. I'm like, what's the difference? I fill up every once every two weeks. You don't even have to charge the car, but once every you know week to ten days, if you're only driving as much as I do. Yeah, it's it's different though. I mean, I gotta say, as somebody who's lived with a Model S with and, you know, but you can charge it every night. But see, the thing is, you can charge it every night. When you get home, you just plug it in. Yeah, it's a little different though, like because I think there is a real, there's a true anxiety around it because. Mm-hmm. No, oh, definitely. You don't have you don't have the ability to just stop. I'm like, oh shit, where's a gas station? You know, like I'm down to 30 miles. Let me go plug in. You, you that I'm sorry, but if you hit 30 miles, and you're like, oh shit, where's a charging station? Like, and and you're not used to it. You're in freakout mode because right. 
you're going to be at the side of the road. 25 miles to find one. And by the way, it's going to take you 18 hours to charge it. <laughs> yeah, once it runs, it so runs down. There, yeah, there's, there's a big, big difference. And I mean, I know it's going to change in the years ahead with 48 valve um, uh, volt systems and all sorts of different things. But like right now, it's it's not it's it's very very inconvenient. Okay. But if I take if I take again like my if I kind of take my example, if I stayed in Boston, which is you know. I think like for traf- you know, traffic consideration and and uh, and you know parking the car and also finding charging stations like nearby like it's it's a little bit easier. Even even living in Boston like I wouldn't buy like a Tesla unless I own like a, I mean even even then like I I don't know where people even like underground parkings I don't think they have like charging stations. Oh my gosh! In Kansas uh, City, they're everywhere. Everywhere I well, go, there's electric charging. In, in, in Boston, there are like charging sta- I mean, there are a couple of charging stations, but I don't know. I've never seen a model like such a charging station. It's always like and a night three or something. We else. have them at grocery right. stores. We have a parking lots. We have them at shopping yeah. centers. We have them yeah, at I mean, public libraries. They're, everywhere. They're definitely so popping Chicago, up a lot more around here. Yeah. Yeah, in Chicago, there's not really like you know parking. You know, per se. I mean, it's parking garages are on the street, but every parking garage has a handful of spots. Right. Um, nothing on the street necessarily because it, it's just a big city. You don't do that. But uh, there's there's they're out there, and and you know, folks in garages like they have their own you know charging stations. So it's you know, I think like every day my my garage has like six spots. I believe um, most garages have about that. The crazy thing is they're free. You know, that's right. that's. Yeah. You know, so that's the you know, I mean, you pay enough. I mean, you pay three, four bills to park every month. Like, right? Yeah, I guess you expect to have some electricity, but um, and then in smaller, you know, smaller places. I know, like Western Michigan, the uh, the place I'm at, uh, often Holland, Michigan. I mean, they just have free a, a bunch of them, like about a dozen free ones just around the city. Right. Um, so yeah, th- they're around. That said, here's where it gets crazy. I mean, I could I could talk about this for a long time because I, I spent quite a while on a, a Model S and drove throughout the Midwest. It's it's really really tricky as far as um, even with supercharging stations, being able to have enough range to get somewhere. Now you can you always have enough, but it's close. Right. Right. And it's <laughs> uncomfortable, frankly. It is, and I and, think it's not for everybody. And and therefore, I think the the final thing you know is to get us back on track. Is it? It's not necessarily for for everybody, and it's not taking a huge chunk out of many sales. But I got to say, it's probably taking a little bit that there are people who said, "Hey, I put a thousand dollars down on something. I'm willing to wait. I'm going to hold out. It may not be for me, but I'm going to hold off buying a mini or anything for the next twelve to eighteen months." And so there's a small percentage there. So I think it affects I- a little bit of sales. I'm what I'm fascinated to see is is uh how the uh countrymen, the plug in hybrid countrymen it, what it, that will do. It will be interesting because that's that's still gonna be six months to a year away, don't you think, in the US before that's unveiled. It's not gonna yeah, it's not yes. gonna come out immediately. And here's what we know about the twenty seventeen countrymen. They're actually moving production from Magnesteyer in Austria now to Austria, uh, not to Austria, to uh, the Netherlands. Mm-hmm. So these are going to be made in Holland right on the same line that they're making the X1 and partially because both of these cars and all the Clubman, the new Countryman, and the X1 are all built on the same platform. The UKL2+, Plus, I believe, is what they're calling it. It's the yep. UKL2, but then they add a plus to it. Um, That's right. But they're all built on the same platform, 
So it's really interesting. And here's for the people, the doubters, and this is for DB, who's not on the show tonight, who says, never buy a car the first year it's out. Everything on the new Countryman is going to be already tried for about two years on the BMW X1. It's going it's to be pretty rock solid because a yeah, lot... Year, yeah, year and a half, but yeah. Yeah, a lot of the same underpinning technology, right. everything about it, the drivetrains... All of that are the same. The X1 now has the exact same engine I do in my car. It's the two-liter JCW. The MPG on the on the stickers are identical to my car. Um, in fact, they're a little bit better because it's, they're automatics. But in an X1, it's got the same horsepower, 228 rated, and a two-liter four-cylinder turbo. So that being said, these things are going to have a good history. Um, I... I th- I think people are excited about it, and Mini's really putting a lot of faith in the new Countryman is uh, is going to be a big seller everywhere. I, I, yeah, no question. I mean, with 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 gas so cheap, um, I think there's no question in my mind. And I just think with a general appetite for crossovers, right? You know, I think I think that you know I, I mentioned on Motoring File that it's going to be a little bit wider, a little bit wider than the current Countryman, a little bit longer. Um, likely likely around the same height but a little heavier as well and i think a couple of people responded like you know hey that's not that's not what i want well i i get it it's not what i want either but it's <laughs> but what I the buying the public majority wants. of people want that you know right um and so you know mini's not making these decisions lightly and they're also giving us a car that's going to be more efficient most likely um going to be likely a little bit faster certainly going to feel a little bit better these new generation tend to do that um so it's it's going to have the mini feel that we that we all love most likely but it will be a little larger well and as a clue uh, mini's owned by bmw and bmw's making these decisions too the business decisions for this and as a result, BMW is increasing not only manufacturing capacity, but space at Spartanburg where they make the X3, right? Um, the X3 and the X5. They're cranking out as many of those as they can because they think that's where the market is going. That's what's really hot right now. So knowing that, they're putting a lot of faith in the countryman, Gabe, like you said, that people yeah. want that bigger crossover. Whether, you know, the, the, the tried and true mini fans like ourselves who love a smaller car... Um, it's not necessarily going to appeal to us, but I think there's a lot of people that it, that it is going to appeal to, and that's not a bad thing. I don't think it's a bad thing for the company at all. If they can make more money and more profit and bring sales back up, more power to them. They'll bring us something cool like a, a Roadster again or something. Who knows? Or the, you know, I the, totally the, agree. Super Legera. So. Yeah. Anyway, uh, is there any other things you want to touch on, Gabe, on the new Countryman? Or you didn't get to talk with us last week about the changes. What are your thoughts on the changes for 2017, which are actually going into production in July? Um, I, I mean, I think they're pretty slack. I mean, I think I think it's a you know the the changes are kind of a wash. Um, if I was looking at a mini, I would prefer the changes over 2016 because. I would prefer to have free, you know, a free screen in there. And I don't really care that much about small little LEDs. So, you know, when you yeah. think about it that way, I think it, I think it's a, there's a pretty fair changes. They increase prices by 300, um, roughly across the board, but nothing, nothing too crazy. I mean, I, you're getting a $750 option is the thing fair. that the media package is now standard, which includes the armrest. And as many people have complained about this, Gabe, I think they're all insane. If you're a listener of the show and you don't like the new mini armrest in the F56, you don't know what you're talking about. The thing is, <laughs> it's brilliant. I love it. 
I absolutely love the thing. I, I kind of agree. I mean, I don't like, you know, I, I kind of agree. I hate to say that, but listen, I, I, and I have a manual. I've got long arms. I don't, you know, like I don't fit in cars that well. I, you know, the armrest, I can push down because it's, it's, I don't know if people know this. You right. Can you can angle it down. It down. Yeah. Um, or angle it down or you can push it up. I put you know, either angle it down or I push it up and it's totally fine. I have no problems. Um, the fact that there's two compartments. Um, it's Where's the so second much compartment? Where's this? Done before. You said that, Gabe. Where's the second compartment in this thing? I've got one in mind. Um, I, there's, I there's two compartments, man. I don't know what to tell you. There's only one compartment in mine. It opens up and that's it. It's got one. Oh, so. oh, you're right. You're right. Sorry, I have the club in. You should get the club in. Oh, it's got a different. Yeah, it does have a different armrest. It does. I totally forgot. I totally forgot. Well, so that and here's another uh, thing that I wanted to correct but, you on motoring file. But, that was wrong. You, but you, you, you should upgrade to the club, and though you know, just full stop. Yeah. Just here, say that. here was the other thing that I have to correct you on on the motoring file article was that you stated that now that everybody gets the media package wirelessly streaming your Bluetooth audio, so basically your music can play from your iPhone or Android device. But you do not get album art with that. You only get the album art if it's plugged in, or you get album art if you have the navigation. You. Uh, why would you not get navigation? Well, I'm saying if you just get the <laughs> if you just buy any mini and it comes standard with the media pack and you don't get navigation. So does it not show up on the screen? No, you you don't get album art unless your phone is plugged in via USB. Are you sure? I'm positive. I I have it. Oh, I've man, done sucks. I've done this test many oh, yeah. times. But if you have navigation, if you have the XL screen and navigation, you'll get album art when it streams. It's a bizarre thing. Why it's a it's a total software tweak and why they did it. It's just like I love it. It's another reason I've, to get you to spend the eighteen hundred dollars for the nav. I, I would, yeah. I mean, you know my feeling. Like it's like it's like getting a house with a with like a big a big window or a small window. I always get the big window. I get it, and but you know what? It's this, the, but you know what, Gabe? Car. It's the same height. The the screens are the exact same height. It's just that's like double the width. It's just white. It's not even double the width. It's like an inch wider. <laughs> no, it's it's like at least two and a half inches wider. Point is, I'll point be, is, if I'm staring at a screen the whole time, I'm I'm, yeah. I'm one of as big as possible. Yeah, no, I I get that. I don't miss the larger screen. And here, I'm, well, you've never had it. That's, that's yeah, no, we have. Ever, our, never have it. No, our twenty fourteen, we had uh, the full XL, the navigation screen. We had the large. Oh, one. but that's your lady friend's car. So. Yeah, and we traded it don't on ever, the roads. Don't we, ever have that. Don't ever, don't ever live with that that screen. You'll <laughs> never, we'll never want anything else. Yeah, well, I don't miss it that, that much necessarily. But here's my tip for all of our listeners here, and this is going to be from this point on when you buy a new mini with the media pack. Gabe, you know the numbers that are around the bottom of the screen, right? Um, there's buttons that, to the old school people like us, you think they're radio stations. You're like, okay, I'm going to program my radio stations in here. That is not what those buttons are for on the mini. No, Did not at all. Not at all. Those are... But they, yeah. But they haven't been... So the way BMW uses them, they've, they've, they've been something beyond radio station... Um, yeah, BMW, since 2004. Yeah, BMW has had hot buttons since then, but uh, Mini has only had them since the F56, since 2014. Right. And so basically, right, it's true. you program these buttons to do anything. You know, a couple of weeks ago, I complained how hard it was that, yeah, Mini Connected can read your text messages to you, but it takes six clicks to get there. Lo and behold, this past week, I discovered how to do it with one button. So you're driving along, and you get a text message, and all I do is reach up, and I think I programmed my text messages into number one. And so I touch the number one button, 
and boom, it goes right to my office and to my messages, and they're there. And it same is same thing with calendars. I mean, I'm, yeah, anything. I constantly look at my calendar, and so I have the same thing set. Uh, yeah. I think it's like number two for me. So yeah, I, I've I've been I've been a firm firm user of that system for a very long and time. The really, and the uh, really the really cool thing about the new uh, mini screen is with those nut buttons is they're they're touch sensitive and. So basically, mm -hmm. all you do is lay your finger on top of it, and it tells you what it is. It brings up the, the title. So you don't have to remember, oh, what did I put in all these numbers? All you do is barely touch your, your finger, and you run it across, and it makes a connection. It makes an electrical connection that, yep. that tells you at the top what this button does. Like, this goes to your auxiliary port for music. or It's, this like, goes it's like 3D touch. Yeah, it is like 3D touch. So and then press it hard, I, I, and it I goes to it. I find it fascinating it. because BMW's had this system since 2006, and yep. it's... Uh, or uh, four. So it's very and, familiar to you. Yeah, and it's so I've always I've always been like, wow, this is a really nice system. Like, there's a lot of the interface that I, I think is super cumbersome and, and, and overwrought. But like, what a brilliant little solution to a problem. And the fact they're touch sensitive. And I was saying this like, you know, back when I had my R53. You know, like it was, you know, which was miles away from from a touch sensitive button, etc. And so I think it's fascinating. It's taken ten years finally came to mini and it's and you you know todd you're delighted with it i am too i still am delighted with it it's i think like, it's still a great system it's like i was so, just giving new features to my car so why hasn't mini promoted any of this at all yet it's it's really bad training for the salespeople, and this is coming well, from I mean, a guy there's who's no there's no ads, there's no Facebook people posting, there's no yeah. anything yeah. anywhere. No, because just because I explained it to you guys, Alex and Chad, I'm sure it's news to you, and and Alex especially, you're gonna get a chance to do this someday, hopefully when you have a mini someday, right? Mm -hmm. Pretty soon, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. So so you're paying attention. It is. It makes the whole thing so much more usable when I used to complain about Mini Connected and my media pack, and I'm like, now it's like, oh, I like it again all of a sudden. But it was, <laughs> but it was never explained to me from the beginning. In fact, well, my dealer just discovered this. Yeah, when you're in a dealership and you're like, okay, and they've got this package of $1,700, and everyone's like, well, I don't know if I really need it because they don't really know what it is. They're but, like, it's a media package. Yeah, but if they can the explain, here's what it will do, watch. Yeah. And you can get the news later or whatever, you know, like I don't need all of that stuff, you know, so it really comes down to better training, not only of the salespeople, but their media people of, you know, their ad marketing, which is, you know, goes back to our original, you know, post here uh, of saying that mini USA needs to market their cars better in the U.S. to sell cars better. Yeah, I think, Chad, you're totally right. I think I think you're, there's no excuse for them not from a social perspective. They 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 do need to 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 sort of find these little details that make ownership really special and actually talk about them. And I think they do sometimes, but there's a lot they miss. Yeah. Oh, I mean, I would say that they would miss ninety six percent of the time. Yeah. yeah. In all reality, yeah, maybe you're right. Well, yeah, it could be. and I also think it's very difficult to sell something like a JCW, for example, without one being at the dealer to drive. Now, oh, yeah. I know Definitely. many car companies are like that Volkswagen. And Alex, you looked at a Golf R, right? And you went in and they're like, no, we won't let you drive one. You have to buy it, right? It was kind yeah, of. Yeah, exactly. That's how, that's how Volkswagen does it. And it's, uh, it's, well, the reason they do it is, uh, is a little bit different than uh, the Junk Car Works is because the car is actually limited in number. 
not yeah. uh, for the not for the uh, it's not like a limited it's a limited it's a limited yearly number so every every year it resets to uh, to zero so I think it's like 5,000 golf R for the US uh, every year but um, and so that's the reason why like uh, drivers won't let people drive it is because there are very few of them and the few of them that they have uh, people want to buy them like with ze- basically zero miles on them and also right. they mark it up like really a lot Right. So they don't want anybody to be driving driving this car. But um uh, to be frank also I and again that's that's I've only had this experience at uh at uh, I, I have two different experiences at two different dealers. Like if you guys remember like back in twenty fifteen when the car first came out, it was before uh Gabe and I were actually before Gabe and I actually went to the press event, like I had a chance to drive the car because uh, many of Boston got it. So I just went there and asked him if I could drive it. And so they, they let me drove they let me drive it. But in many of San Francisco, like they didn't initially they didn't want to let me drive it. Because the excuse was it's too expensive, like we don't let people drive it. And it's like, you know, like nobody asks you to configure a JCW at forty five thousand dollars. Like you could have gotten one, like at, <laughs> you know, at like the base price, and it would have been fine. Like it's still the same car; it still drives the same. Um, and so, yeah. And I, again, like again, like let people. You know, I'm a very big proponent of letting people, you know, test drive cars, especially when a test drive in the city is really not the best thing. So at least, so if they can't even. Yeah. It, test drive like the car that you really want to buy like it's what's the point right you know there's a there's there's kind of a cost of doing business you know so obviously there's uh 75 mini dealers across the u.s whatever something like that there's 115 yeah (laughs) yeah no there's 150 yeah i mean there used to be like 50 so you know so they they've got to put x amount of cars in those dealerships now volkswagen would be a little bit different because there's a little more volkswagen dealers than there are mini dealers so you're not obviously going to be able to supply say 2000 volkswagen dealers with each one of these since they're only making say $5000 you know 5000 cars but each dealer in the mini usa like they should have a car that is fully optioned out so that they That's, can show customers exactly. all the time and they can they can give them on the test drives and they can show them what each option does but instead Fully loaded and all that type of stuff the, and then three I, you know I three agree. four years I, down the road they sell it at a loss but they're still selling it for a cost i totally agree with that but, but the problem is that the, yeah the problem is that like it's it's like it's it's uh the the relationship between the dealer and me us has to change for this kind of thing to happen because oh, yeah, totally. it's a, it's like a total it's a total dealer cost at this point, right? And they don't and want they don't want to spend that money. They're already you know especially mini dealers already getting you know beaten in the ass because uh, people you know people coming into mini uh, knowing the brand have this notion about and which is the right notion about the ability to order exactly the car they want. And sometimes you you have someone that is ordering a car and it pulls out at the last minute because for whatever reason. And so for instance. Uh, again, like the guy in San Francisco, when they, when I was negotiating with them, uh, they were telling me like, you know, like we don't do this because, you know, people like order car, a like custom order car, especially a car like this, which is very expensive, and then they don't pick them up. It's like, like honestly, like people not picking up their cars is not my problem. And it's like, yeah, I. The guy was saying, yeah, I don't really understand that, but at the on the other end, like it's very difficult for us to resell them because um, if you order like a, a 
ugly yellow mini like nobody's gonna buy right, it right yeah because people just don't want to buy this car it's like yeah. yeah i mean they they told me that when i when i wouldn't order a sunroof and i was like well good because i don't want one and people are like oh my god you got a car without a sunroof that's so awesome you know it's like well yeah i mean that's just the way that it is so i mean i definitely think that uh you know it goes back to the whole thing that mini usa is like you know what we've been doing everything we can do to sabotage this we need to make this better part of that making that better is to you know get on with okay we're going to help our dealers better we're going to retrain our staff which is what the government kind of slapped their hands on with a lot of different things there and uh you know they need to put you know the stuff in place quickly to save the brand you know, type of thing you know well let's talk about something that's coming out here since we're talking about jcw's uh and gabe you just posted about this on motoring file and that's the uh uk challenge edition of a jcw that they're only making 100 of and it's going to be uk only yeah bummer because um i gotta tell you this car looks like it is the real deal uh yeah as, you know we we as much as we have loved the GP over the years, this is this is a similar formula, Attract more focused. off the shelf parts, right? But with rear seats and and no real exclusive styling, but just a, a, a sort of a piecemeal car that looks awesome, like really awesome. So you know, it it, it starts out with um, a JCW, obviously. But then they add uh, nitron springs and dampers, which are, are derivatives of what they use on the Challenge race car mm -hmm. uh, with front camber plates, plates, fully adjustable for both uh, height and camber, which is pretty interesting. Um, and they also have a thicker set of sway bars as well. And then they have the four-piston brake. The Brembo brake. Mintex pads, mm -hmm. which offer greater bite, uh, a little bit more track-worthy. And then, and this is key, they use a real limited slip differential. The first one on a Mini since 2007, six. I think. Well, 2007, you could get it on a convertible. But yeah, 2006, basically, on the hardtop. No, I had it on my uh, R56. Did they offer a full limited slip the yep. first year? Okay. Yep. It's the exact same module they offered with the R53. Gotcha. So, yeah. So, it was 2007. Maybe even 2008 is the last year they, they offered it. But, um, so, yeah. This is the first the first time they've offered that since the and 2008 car, 2007 car. And, um, I mean, it's a, it's a, it's a real it's this, a, it's a real deal. Does this car and come with on, the, the, pro, the pro exhaust? Uh, yep. Yeah. I'll get to that okay, in a second. Yeah. So, then on top of that, they have Team Dynamics wheels. Um, they're 17 inch in diameter. They're fairly light, and they have the Michelin Pilot Sport Cup two tires, which are fantastic. And on top of that, they have the JCW Pro exhaust. They have all the JCW Aero like little nips and tucks that are available. The accessories, as well as Todd, the sticker package. <laughs> Looks fantastic on this car. Looks kind of like so my car. <laughs> all told, all told, um, it is. It, it looks like a fantastic package, um, and a car that is designed, uh, obviously for for the to be driven on the track from time to time. Thirty two thousand pounds. Um, you know, it doesn't doesn't necessarily equate to dollars so easily, but it would probably if you sold in the U.S. be priced in the low forties. Yeah, which is not un unheard of since that's basically what I paid for my JCW, yeah. which has the adjustable coilover suspension, the JCW mm -hmm. Pro suspension, the exhaust, and all of the aero bits. So what's interesting to me is this is a different 
coilover system. Yeah, it is. This is a much different one than even I have. So, mm-hmm. yeah, it's it's interesting. Regardless, it's really cool to see them make this car. Um, I mean, looking at this, I would love personally to see this to be the basis of the next GP. Uh, who knows if it is? This is a Skunk Works team that did this, and 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 really kind of like in the garages uh, around the challenge series they put this thing together right. um evo magazine has sort of had an exclusive on it and they had a few of the guys from evo come come and test it and sort of you know i think somewhat you know somewhat uh, artificially give feedback etc but nevertheless they were still involved in the process which i think is pretty cool so um yeah I'm wondering if this had any, anything to do with. I know my dealers had a JCW on order. They they ordered one just for stock, and it literally has still not gone into production. It's been on order for a month and a half now, for almost wow. almost six weeks, and they can't get it. And there's no word on it. And they have no allotment for new. If you wanted to order a JCW at my dealer, they're going to tell you right now. It looks like it's going to be at least eight weeks. They may have just done that because it's simply you know they're they're trying to. Uh, sort of, you know, kind leave, of leave their production, rejigger production as far as you know, keeping well, and you know, because they've got seventeen production starting in right. a matter of days. Right, right. So they're probably holding things back a little bit, yeah, which, which, yeah. what, which then begs the question: We have not heard any changes for the JCW for twenty seventeen. That was basically not even mentioned in uh, any of the information we've seen. So yeah, there, there's, there's a, there's a slight price difference, but yeah, you're right. There's nothing, no performance anyway. So. Well, cool. Well, Gabe, it was good having you here. I know you yes. said you got to run. Yes. Yeah. So uh, uh, thanks again for the information, and uh, it's always anytime. Yeah. Uh, talk to you guys soon. See you at MTTS. Cool. Yeah, right. awesome. See you, Gabe. Thanks, Jason. All right. And now a word from our sponsor. Let's go ahead and uh, tell you guys about our friends over at Outmotoring. Outmotoring.com sponsoring us forever for the last 10 years, right? That's the Amazon.com of mini stuff. And as we mentioned last week, and actually as Gabe did a great job mentioning last week, uh, Outmotoring actually carries a very fine selection of mini Cooper wheels, both factory wheels and like, let's just call it the best of the best aftermarket wheels. If it's a wheel that's kick-ass and looks great on the mini and it's a high-quality piece, Aaron sells it. If it's crap, not so much. He doesn't have any crap wheels. And I mean, unless you don't like, you know, the which ones are always like making fun of the horseshoe wheels if you don't like those yes yeah but they're not crap it's a it's a high still high quality wheel it just you know looks funny uh you want a 15 inch steely done all of the mini wheels factory wheels a full line of inky wheels the nm engineering wheels uh, plus a whole bunch more not only that but don't forget outmotoring.com adds like 200 pieces of new stuff every month two pieces of things that they sell new every month very very cool you know you find out about all the stuff don't you you click over and you make sure you sign up for the email newsletter that way you get all the updates not only do you get all the updates but you also get your own five percent discount code which is super duper awesome i'm just saying yeah <clears throat> and i was on facebook today hey i ordered something from outmotoring we're talking about outmotoring right i've ordered a ton of stuff from outmotoring i ordered something this week for a, no, cost- for a customer Nicely done. Um, I was on the Facebooks this week, and some one of my Facebook friends ordered a, a, a R56 key fob ring. You know the the colored key fob ring, the little piece of a, an anodized aluminum thing that goes around the outside of the key fob, that round piece. Yes, yes. He ordered one of those from some Chinese company on Amazon, and it ended up going to not Arizona, 
And and he said it cost like two bucks. And I go, you know what? If you would have ordered it from outmotoring.com, it would have cost more, but you would have got it already. <laughs> True. So, yeah. Order from Outmotoring. Don't go to eBay, guys. Don't go to Amazon. Don't order the crap. Go over to outmotoring.com. He's got the good stuff, the good stuff that's going to last, the stuff that you want anyway. Go over there and get it. While you're there, too, don't forget, um, if you're still getting ready for MTTS, full line of, like, real OEM uh, stuff for your person. You know, the T-shirts, the hats, watches, shoes, all the different lifestyle products, all available over at Outmotoring. So go check them out. That's our friends over at Outmotoring. Outmotoring.com. Mini Performance Speed. And, hmm, give me a second to find a good one. Ooh, digital racing tire gauge. That's outmotoring.com. Chad, it's time for a little, uh, uh, this is an extended version of Ask Chad, if you will. And we've yep. been waiting for this for a long time. And that is uh, talking about wheels and tires. And you notice DB's gone from the show. And I think he did this to us on purpose. He knew he was going to be gone out of town on his birthday. And he's like, you know what? That's when you guys do the wheel and tire show because... As DB right. likes to say, he d he doesn't care. <laughs> no, well, because he, right off the bat, he, he the best tires are what's that? The best wheels are eighteen eighteen inch wheels. <laughs> <laughs> Either that, or he likes fifteens and the cheapest tire you can get. Well, I mean, one of the two. So. And you know what? I have to say that I've been shopping for tires for a long time, and it used to be the case back in the day in two thousand three, two thousand four. 18-inch tires were way more expensive. Chad, have you found? I don't think they're that much more expensive now. They have definitely come down in price overall the last couple of years, for sure. Mm -hmm. But well, there it is. You you still run into a problem of what that tire uh, performance wise can actually do for you. You right. know, right? Um, really, that sixteen or seventeen inch tire is going to be the best bang for your buck, not only for price but for grip too. And the subjectiveness of what uh, sidewall length is best for you is, you know, is going to be de uh, dependent on the user and what they want out of the tire. Some people like a little more sidewall. Some people like a little less. I'm I'm more of that person that likes a 17-inch tire, a little less sidewall. Uh, other people like a little more uh, sidewall, which is basically going to be a 50 or 55 series tire for a 16-inch wheel. Um, and it gives them that little bit of, uh, we'll call it slop, to be able to throw the car around a little bit better to get that grip. So Well, and the, and the reason for that is, and, and we love this because our friend Rano Altonen years ago told us this and explained it to us. He even drew a little diagram, and it's awesome, with a 15-inch wheel and tire setup you've got more sidewall there because the car itself wants the, the general diameter to be the same so that the speedometer isn't screwed up, okay? Right. So if you've got a 15-inch wheel as opposed to an 18-inch wheel, you basically, the, the, the outside diameter is going to be almost exactly the same. So you've got a fatter right. tire there. And what happens is, is when you make a quick turn, let's say you make a quick shift to the left, there's more of that tire that can flex in the sidewall and therefore leave a larger contact patch. And that is the area that sticks to the pavement. And therefore you get better traction and your car handles better. And I think that's where you were going, Chad, with that. Yeah. Is if, we, if, if you've got 18 inch wheels and tires, like I do on my car, if you do really hard turns, what's happening in that is there's not as much flex in the sidewall. And if you don't have a suspension like I do, now the suspension accounts for this, but if you have just a regular suspension, you end up with a very small contact patch because the tire gets up on edge and you've got yep. a tiny little triangle that's touching and that's it. 
and yep. you could very easily lose control and your car kind of slides one way or another with oversteer or understeer. Exactly. So that's that's Chad's recommendation for, you know, 15 or 16 inch wheels and tires and and db's all about that too i mean he's got 17s on his car which he likes but alex what's your preference if you have one uh my preference well it's there is for me like there is a i know that's a little probably stupid but there is like a, an, an aesthetic you know uh, uh not need but like preference that i have and i think especially on new is like 18s just look better and even it's right. not even there like you to, to for it to really look nice you have you probably need to get the jcw suspensions but uh on the r53 and the uh r um uh, 56 generation like 18 17s look really nice and yeah. i think it's just 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 the perfect size so chad if we're gonna go with 18 inch wheel entire combination on our car there are things you can do to help that out uh suspension things that basically flatten the car out a little bit. So tell us what you can do if you do want to go with that look of 18-inch wheel and tire combination. What can you do to the car to kind of flatten that out a little bit and increase the handling percentage? Well, you definitely want to, you know, start with a rear sway bar, you know, hands down. Um, you may even want to go to a front sway bar also to make it corn even more flatter. Um, but depending on the year of your car, you may not be able to go with all of those type of suspension mods. So right. um, rear sway bar, yes. Front sway bar, maybe. So um, the single best suspension mod you can do to your car is going to be a rear sway bar. And what that does, Chad, like, like tell us, it, it, it flattens the car. Basically, instead of lifting a wheel and you're driving on three tires... It, it keeps it flat it's, so that you have traction on all four tires. In yeah, it's basically putting a a bend into the the car as it wants to uh, push the front tire down. The rear sway bar kind of will push the other tire down, so you have a more contact patch um, and going around balance. the corners because the car is kind of counteracting its want to pivot on three wheels. Yeah, yeah. Which is typical for that small front-wheel drive type platform. And we've all seen pictures of it. I mean, Mini's on the racetrack. I've got, I've got pictures of my Mini on the track before doing a, a hard turn, and you're lifting the inside rear wheel. I mean, yeah. you push and, hard and enough, and it's, totally it's normal. Fine. It's normal. Yeah, it's totally fine in your low-speed autocross-type scenarios, everyday driving. Right. But... As soon as you increase the speed, the faster you want to go, the more you need to counteract some of that type of stuff because it can be a little bit dangerous as well as, you know, shifting the weight around quite quickly. So um, the faster you go, the more you need to keep the car planted down. So. Okay, so there we go. So let's let's back up. I mean, we kind of got ahead of ourselves, I think, just basically dove in talking about 16, 17, 18-inch wheels and tires. Yep. Um, it's we are now in the heart of summer. I think we had our first hundred degree day here where I am in the Midwest. Uh, Chad, it's coming your way. Alex, you're never going to hit a hundred in San Francisco. And if, uh, nope. if, nope. if that happens, global warming has finally reached you know <laughs> critical mass. Right. But um, but anyway, uh, uh, Chad, what is your recommendation for most people? I know myself. I like to do a set of performance summer tires, and then I do winter tires. And I guess it depends on where you live. What is your recommendation? Yeah, I mean, it, it really depends on where you live. But anybody that sees, you know, uh, a winter temperature from, say, November through April that are consistently below 40 degrees 
definitely would love to have a summer winter set okay so the winter set loves that cold temperature it stays pliable in the really cold temperatures and it allows you to get the grip get the cornering get the traction in those cold temperatures where if you had a summer performance tire and it is a say a 200 treadwear rating and is really super sticky in that track day, you take that exact same tire and you drive it in that 35 or 40 degree weather temperature, that tire is hard as a rock. And you might as well be driving on ice or full hydroplane water. And I speak from experience because I've yep. done this in, in both my GP and, uh, and other cars, is when you have ultra-performance summer tires and it drops below 50 even degrees, like if it's in the 40s, it is so bad that your car will just slide through a corner and you'll drift. You turn your car into a drift car at 30 miles an hour. Yep. <laughs> it, it literally does that. So I'm a big proponent of, I mean, I live in the Midwest where we get winter from approximately late November through early March where it's consistently, you know, every day it's, yep. you know, below 50, 40 degrees. So I'm, I'm a big proponent of that. If you live in... You know, California, where Alex is, you can pretty much rely on, you know, summer uh, uh, performance tires all year round. I am not a big fan of all season tires. Chad, your take on all seasons? Well, it, it really kind of depends on the all season tire. There are some all season tires that are really, really good. What's your favorites? Just um, well, God, we, we stock the Continental DWS at the shop. They right. they call it the new DWS 06. Um, it is a really good all season. It can do really well in the wet, really well in the dry, um, really well in a little bit of snow. It's got a lot of snow capabilities for what it is for an all season tire. Uh, it's quiet. It's got a good tread wear rating. It's got um, a very quiet noise to it, very comfortable drive. That's the tire we stock all the time because it's actually at a fairly decent price point. And um, we can have a set of tires on in in the right sizes in stock all the time because I'll tell you once a week we get somebody in there and it's like wow you need tires and you kind of need them right now <laughs> and they're like what do you mean it's like see these these are cords oh wow I do need tires you know because I I just don't think people are paying enough attention and then they right. need alignment and the next thing you know they're you know three thousand dollars into fixing their suspension because it was broken. Yeah. So with that being said, that's one tire that we stock because we like it. We know that the customers can be happy with it. There are others out there. There's multiple different brands. Um, whether you know whoever you want. So don't start sending us emails They're like, well, pff, I don't like Continental. I want Bridgestones or whatever you know. There are a lot of good tires, you know, because uh, the new Bridgestones, um, and I'm going to say the RE71Rs, I think that's the, the new designation. That is a new hot ticket in the summer tires. Super sticky, really amazing in that dry capabilities with really good wet capabilities, good summer tire overall. Um, it's a quote-unquote 200 treadwear rating, so it keeps you legal in all of your autocrosses and everything. Um, it may or may not be, because there's no data to prove that it's not more than a or less than a 200 treadwear rating. 
but it is a really nice tire. Again, there are other tires out there on the market. All depends on your budget, what you really want the tire to do, and et cetera, et cetera. Now, we've put people in the extreme summer tires. We've put people in the all seasons. Some people never really saw a difference. And you really have to. It depends on your customer. driving style, right? Yeah, it, 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 it all depends. depends on driving style. And when I'm talking to a customer, I was like, okay, when you're in a corner, do you hear squealing? Well, no, I never do. All okay, the I, damn time. If you ask me that question, well, every right, time exactly. I go around a corner, I don't care how fast or slow, my tires are screeching. Is that good? Right. Well, that, that means you're driving <laughs> the car to the limit. So yes! That, that means you need, you need the best tire you can possibly yes. get. But when that customer tells me no, I'm like, okay, well, you don't need to spend the money on this tire. Right. You need more of this tire, and you're going to be just as happy because either you don't drive the car enough or your girlfriends are hitting you or your wife is hitting you or they're like, oh my God, slow down or you've got kids in the car or whatever. So, uh, you know, a good tire uh, person or recommendator like myself is going to ask you all of the right questions to make sure that you have the right information, um, you know, to pick the right tire for you. And again, Tire Rack is a amazing site to go on and really read the v reviews. You know, anybody that's making any purchase, no matter what it is, it's you're buying a grill for your house, or you're buying a uh, a new set of tires for your car, or you need some new landscaping put in. You're going to have a couple of quotes. You're going to look at the reviews of those people. You're going to find what you like in the market for that particular item, and you're going to make a sound decision. Tires are one of those type of things, as well as pretty much anything on your car is because going to be kind of a major purchase type of thing. You need to really know what's going on. And you know what I like to do? I like to read the reviews at uh, a tire rack when you're just shopping for tires. So you can yep. do one of two things. You can trust Chad. Just call Chad up and say, here's what I do. Here's how I drive. What do you recommend? And Chad's going to give you a good recommendation. Or uh, you can just, you know, in your time, let's say it's the middle of the night. Chad's not at work. You just fire up, you know, something like tire rack or similar. And tire rack's one of the largest. And they really have a lot of user reviews. And when you've got a tire that's been reviewed, let's say 100 or 200 times, you pretty much can get a consensus on whether people like this tire or don't like this tire. Yep. And on top of that, you can find somebody who has a car just like yours who's reviewed this tire. And those, exactly. are, those are valuable pieces of information because most of the people who take the time to do that are going to be honest. And uh, I'm a big fan of that. And you can look at how the, uh, you know, how the tires are rated. And that's a pretty good... It, it's it's not as much like Amazon ratings because you can believe those and you have to take them with a grain of salt. But I think the tire rack ratings are, are pretty reliable in general. Yeah. Yeah. And, and and they'll tell you the tires and they'll tell you what they did with those the cars and how it, it, it rated. And realistically, if you're looking at a tire that's a 5.5, you're looking at that tire because it is $69. Because you're like, oh, that's totally in my budget. I could I could totally go with that. But that tire is a 5.5. It will always be a 5.5. But if you drive your car at a 5.5, then that's fine. But if you realize that there are other things out there, you need to experience some of those. And you could do it with them, and you could do it with other cars. You can do all of those things. But 
you know, we had somebody that, uh, you know, good friend of mine. She was like, well, I always buy used tires. I was like, well, why? She's like, what? well, that's what, that's what my dad. That's crazy. That's well, crazy. Yeah, right. She's like, well, that's what my dad told me to do. What? You never your dad was an idiot. I'll do respect your dad to your dad. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Well, so <laughs> I, I was like, look, you, you need to trust me and you need to go into this set of tires. And she's like, oh, my God, those tires were amazing. She's like, I'm never buying used tires ever again. And she's gone <laughs> through um, that style of brand in multiple different cars now because she realized she's like, oh, my God, that tire, you know, it gripped. It did well in the rain. I had my son in the car and I felt safe, you know, all of that type of thing. So there's a time and a place to put a used tire on your car. There is because I sell some do, used tires. Do they still call them? Re, do they still do retreads, Chad? Remember back in the day, like growing oh, yeah. up, they yeah, do retreads. Well, Semi-tires, semi yes, but not any, uh, you know, new tires. And, and, and countries like Brazil and things they do, like where they just shave down the tread and, and cut it back into the tire. Yeah, but not in the U.S. I mean, they they really don't. Um if you're buying a set of used tires, you know, and again, you you can. There, you your your buddy's like, hey, I got these tires in the garage. You want them? And you're like, you know what? Yeah, that's totally. I need a set of tires. That's great. You know, I I'll go with it. But all tires are day coated. Most rubber in the U.S. after five years, it's done. It's mm -hmm. dead, no matter what it is. So all of those tires have a date coat on there. So if the tire is dry rotting and doing something internally, then you don't want to put that tire in your car because the treads are going to shift or something's going to come apart or something along that line. So what's the age of your tire, Chad? So let's say you've had your Mini for a while and you're like, I don't remember the last time I bought new tires. And you can look on that date on the side and it's stamped in every tire. Yep. And you, you probably will have to look at the backside of the tire. So you may right. need to take one off or put the car in neutral and be very safe about this and stuff and kind of roll the car around a little bit until you see that. And it's going to be a about a, let's say, a two-inch you know, oval that is something that is not part of the tire normally. You can see that that's something that they would change out. So it's going to be a, a stamp type thing and there's going to be usually like one or two little codes in there and it's going to be like a uh uh 4811 or something like that so that was made the 40 48th week of 2011 okay and you and again all of this information is on tire rack where you can find all the date coding you know preferences um so you know a 2011 tire right now that tire has been around for quite a few years you i don't care how much tread that that tire has it's going to start not, cracking. It, it's not good. It could do something at, say, you hit 85, 90 miles an hour, which is not uncommon in the Detroit area anywhere on any freeway and or surface street that you're doing that type of you know speed. All of a sudden, that tire will blow out because all of a sudden the tire came apart or something because it was old. It hadn't been on the road for a while. Or next thing you know, I was like, wow, there's this weird vibration. And the tire basically has a flat spot in it because part of the tread started coming apart. So, like, so, so yeah, I've always been told like a five year, like if your tire is five years old, it's, it's time to replace it. I mean, you yeah. may think it looks good or whatever, but it's five years old. You may not be able to see those fine imperfections. Like you said, that are going to, you know, cause flat spots are going to cause a blowout. But if it's five years old, just plan on getting new tires as soon as you can afford them. Yeah, and, and again, it's a little bit different from run flats to non-run flats right? because of how the tire is constructed and, and certain things like that. But 
even at 2011 run flat, I mean, that thing is going to be, you know, hard as a bagel left out for two or three weeks. I mean, yeah. that thing is just going to be, you know, tusked. So you definitely want to keep up on your tires. Most performance tires, uh, anything with that 200 tread rating, that tire is only going to last you a summer. Right. It might last you two, but at the end of that second summer, all of the, and believe it or not, all of the grease that's in that tire that is designed to keep it pliable, it is dried up, and now that tire is hard and is not going to do what it wants to. So, you know, most summer performance tires are designed to only last a summer or two at the most. Right. By that third summer, that tire's not grippy anymore. And at that point, you're just, you know, burn them off. Do smoky burnout and make it, you know, put it on YouTube and call it a day and you go know, buy yourself some get, tires. Get another set of tires. So if you want a set of tires to last you multiple years because you don't want to deal with that, drive like Tom Burnside. Or you need an all season. <laughs> Yeah, that's yeah. that's pretty much how it is because you want that higher treadwear rating. You want that 50,000 mile tire, which is going to be that 540 treadwear rating. If you were like, you know what, I'm that autocross guy. I want it to be sticky. I'll go do a couple track days and stuff like that. You want to look at that 180 to 200 treadwear rating, depending on your autocross, autocross class, and make sure that is within your rule books. Um, the the smaller the tread uh, the the treadwear rating, the stickier the tire is, the faster it will go away. You know, so a our compound tire could be a hundred or eighty. Yeah. So well, and those it, are going to be your sticky tires that like you know check check air pressures and stuff like that. And again, air pressures will affect any tire, so always be checking those because anytime you go from say uh, we had a, a night here the other night it was sixty five degrees. And then during the day, it was 95. You could have a big fluctuation in air pressures in your tire. As much as two pounds per 10 degrees of temperature change. That is the the scientific rule of thumb. It may not be that. It may not be that. But you can think about it. If, like you said, Chad, you go a 30 degree swing, right? Your your tire pressure could change six psi. Which... Yeah, and you go from here to the corner to go get yourself a Slurpee. And that tire is not going to heat up very much. But if all of a sudden you go from here to the downtown area and you've got to tr travel 30 minutes on a freeway, that tire will increase in temperature because of the driving distance, because of the speed, because of everything. And then you throw a, a good on-ramp or off-ramp into that mixed. Now your tire that was you know temperature X is now at temperature Y. And all of those things are being affected on the 65 degree day or the 90 degree day so you so, don't want your tires to be really above that 42 ever while you're driving the car so basically so. your recommendation is when your seasons change like they are now like we've we've hit where it's going to be in the 80s and 90s all the time yep. it's time to check my tire pressure and go okay it's going to be a little higher now because it's hotter i may have to take a pound or two out of these because if i say go driving for 30 45 minutes that pressure is going to increase maybe three or four pounds because of the heat of the road and the friction and everything. It's going to heat it up and make a pressure. And I don't want to be driving around on on tires with 46, 48 psi, right? Right? Because right. that's just as it's just as hard on your tires. It's hard on your gas mileage too. Yep. It, it affects your gas mileage, you know. But although all of that stuff you have to take into consideration, gas mileage, performance, right. and tire wear, and temperature, and, and 
you know, performance and handling, all of that stuff comes into the play. So you definitely want to keep a track of that based on what is actually going on. So, yes. Yeah. Well, that, that that's absolutely awesome. Um, I think, hold on, let me check our time here. We've covered, I, I'm sure there's so much more we can cover about wheels and tires, but we've kind of tried to hit the high points of, you know, winter tires, summer tires, what should you choose? What size is best? What do we recommend? Well, and the all- one, the one uh-huh. last thing that we could touch on really quickly uh-huh. would be sizes and weights too, because a 16 inch tire is going to weigh less than a 17 inch tire. You know, so you always have to think about that type of thing too, because of the handling and agility of the car, as well as the rotational mass. So a 16 inch tire could spin a little bit easier because it's a, say a 17 pound tire and wheel combination versus a 17 could be a 20 and that won't spin as much. So those are all things to take into consideration when you're picking out wheels and tires. Well, and I think the final thing to take into consideration, which we really didn't cover that much and we can do it really quickly here, is the difference between run flats and non-run flats. Um, Most minis come with with run flats unless you choose the performance tire option, which are it's a no-cost option to get non-run flats on your car. But depending on who you are and how you drive, like if you're a single woman and you never want to be stuck at the side of the road changing a tire, I would absolutely recommend run flats for you. Um, They're not going to perform as well, although they're much better than they were uh, back in the day, like say 2003 to 2006. The run flat technology has changed. They're actually designed to work on the cars they're on now instead of you know, they're just hard and they're just designed to run being flat. So that being said, uh, I think it depends on your driving style. I think all of us here would prefer non-run flats because they perform so much better right. than, than run flats, wouldn't you say, Chad? Yes, definitely. And, you know, the, the when you were talking about the performance aspect of the tires and how you want the tire to perform that will also dictate whether or not you want to get a run flat or not because they don't make run flats that do you know all of that stuff uh that we were talking about they don't make a, a run flat that can have a 200 treadmill rating they don't make a run flat that could be like oh you know what i can really autocross with that and i can really go to a track day and i can do all of these things so your run flat is going to be more of that all seasony kind right. of feel that is going to be very hard and difficult. And I've, know, I've, tires. I've found that in my uh, a little more than two months experience with the JCW. I've got Pirelli run flats. They're performance run flats on this car. And while they perform head and shoulders above what they did back in 2003, they're still, I, I get them to break away. They squeal a lot. They don't grip. They spin like I can, I can peel out. And there's so much torque in these cars that it, that it spins a little <laughs> bit. So I would prefer, but you know, I'm going to run, they came on the car. I'm probably going to run through them and see what happens. And when it comes time to do winter tires, I'll put a set of winter tires on. And then in the spring, I'll upgrade to non-run flats. So it all depends on who you are, how you drive and, and you know, what the recommendation is going to be, but we're in general fans of non-run flats. So Alex. So, so yeah, I thought you, um, I think you, you were not so, uh, you were not criticizing like so much the run flats on the on the JCW. Has it changed a, a bit, or is it you think still like they are pretty good for what they are? It's <laughs> it's hard to say without like you know swapping the tires out and then going to drive on non-run flats. Because I think yeah. if I did that, if I if I put 
you know, some conventional really sticker tire, sticky tires, like some, some Michelin pilot super sports or something like that, I would go, Oh my gosh, what was I thinking? But, <laughs> okay. but driving this car now, and I push it hard in corners to just see, because this is a whole new experience for me. I'm used to driving a GP for 10 years and I knew what that car, I knew it inside and out, how it handled, where it would break away, how hard I could push it. And I'm still learning that with only 1,800 miles on the clock on my car now. Mm-hmm. And I think the, the, the performance run flats are adequate. That's how I would describe them right now is they're, they're adequate. They're not, oh, my gosh, these, are, these tires are amazing. No, that is not my review mm-hmm. of, the, mm-hmm. of the performance run flats on this. The advantage that people do not realize on your Mini is if you have, I know Pirelli specifically does this, and I think a couple of other recommended tires do, your tires come with uh, um, uh, hazard protection, okay? Yeah. Uh, so if I were to get a, bl- you know, a blowout or something in the tire, I've got um, tire protection on that for the first, I think it's one year or within a certain amount of tread wear. If, it, mm-hmm. if you haven't put that much tread wear on it, you've got... Um, uh, free replacement on those tires that's a big benefit that's pretty good of buying these on a mini and i know for a fact pirelli does that and i'm pretty sure other ones when you get your manual and you buy a new car there's a special tire warranty pamphlet in there and it comes on a cd i have not i I mean i I, yeah shame on me mini dealer has a tire wheel warranty package that you can buy but you Sometimes don't have to if it comes yeah. on some of these tires, like it, the mini performance uh, uh, run flats, the Pirellis that I've got. They come with yep. road hazard included with the car for the first year, and mm-hmm. I think well, you Well, that was you know, one of the reasons that we stock that uh, Continental uh, DWS 06 is it also comes with a one-year road hazard warranty from the manufacturer. Right. So we don't have to offer anything else above and beyond that type of aspect. Um, every tire manufacturer is different, and some may not offer it directly from a manufacturer. They but may have to, you know, it has to be third party. Um, but so your big name like is, Pirelli and Continental are pretty good ones to stick with rather yep. than some of the lesser known, you know, Japanese brands, if you will, that, well, they may be good tires. They're not going to stand behind them like, like Continental and Pirelli do. Yeah, and and to really go off the deep end of the uh, tired nerd syndrome here, um, they make several different tires in several different places. So, uh, for example, there is a Goodyear uh, F1 Eagle tire. Uh, the German-made ones are really awesome. The other ones, no, not so much. So <laughs> you could actually get into, I want this particular tire in, made in this particular country because they are really good versus other ones. And I, I that was something that was a little more um, definite that in you know previous years. I haven't heard anything as of late from anybody. But again, Tire Rack is your place to uh, to find that information because. You know, if you're looking at a particular tire that's made in multiple different countries by different manufacturers, Tire Rack is going to be the place to, to tell you that. So, absolutely, and and there's a lot of information there. And if you have a, a you know a question or whatever, send Chad a message. You know, email him, uh, whatever, or or send it into uh, feedback at White Roof Radio, yeah. or ask Chad at White Roof Radio, or 
absolutely. We're we're all completely willing to give our opinions, and we've driven lots of minis with lots of different tires. So, uh, and it's it's all different. I think it just depends on who you are. There's not a one size fits all for everybody, and don't let anybody tell you there are because there are people on the internet. They're like, oh, you got to get rid of the run flats, and you got to do this. But like I said, if you're a single woman and you never want to be stuck at the side of the road with a jack. Uh, changing a tire or waiting on roadside assistance, get yourself run flats. It's a good. And you know what? Thing. Like even if you're a single man, you know, like very few people know how to change a tire. Yeah, days. that's the thing too. If you're, yeah, yeah. doesn't really matter. Uh, yeah. We actually had an email the other day because somebody wanted to buy a spare tire from us, and they wanted to know if it came with directions on how to change a spare tire. I was like. Well, that's oh sweet fancy Moses. <laughs> probably in your owner's manual, but let me YouTube this real quick, and I found a good YouTube video on how to change a spare tire uh, for her, and I sent it off to her, and I'm not 100% sure if she ended up buying a a spare tire from us yet or not, but uh, <laughs> you know we tried to help her the best we can, and, and you know it's <laughs> and and by the way, my new compressor not. not Knock it or not, I mean, YouTube's got a ton of stuff on it there. It does. So like, it does. If you're curious, search it out. you'll get into DIY. And and by the way, the, the my Cooper S did not come with a jack. There's, yep. there's and no and jack. I've, I've been hearing more and more the new cars are not coming with that. No, so. it comes with a phone number to call roadside assistance. <laughs> exactly. It so it doesn't matter whether, you know, I know how to change a tire or not. You're kind of screwed. Yep. Mm-hmm. So there right. it is. There it is. Our our best at a wheel of tire show. We went a little wrong. A little long. A little wrong. We went a little long tonight. So uh, some of you may have enjoyed that. It's great, Chad. Thanks for the fantastic, phenomenal information on that. Um, before we go, we're gonna plug DB's last uh, little uh, sponsor spot in here. Then and um, here it is. Let's tell you about one of the other fine sponsors here underneath the white roof, our friends over at Craven Speed, CravenSpeed.com. You know these guys already because you have something from Craven Speed on your car. I'm sure you do. You've got a stubby antenna or you've got a FlexPod adapter. Maybe you even have the short shift kit. Or you went crazy because you've got an R50, R53, R56, and you went ahead and you wanted a dipstick that wouldn't break and you could easily read. That's all the stuff you get over at CravenSpeed.com. Not only that, you get a whole bunch more. If you have an F56, they've got an intake for you. If you have to put a license plate on the front of your car and you don't want to drill holes, you get the platypus mount. If you have an R53 that you just acquired because you found one that was just choice that was driven by some old grandma and it only has like 17,000 miles and you want to you know boost it up a little bit, you're going to get a pulley and you're going to get the Craven pulley anyway. Done, done, and done. Go over there. Plus, they have a whole bunch of other stuff. Go over there. Check them out. Cravenspeed.com. Make sure you sign up for the email newsletter. That way you get updated whenever something new gets added to the site. Very cool stuff. Uh, and like I said, my biggest recommendations, of course, would be uh, the, the shift knob. Which is a very fine piece. Uh, the flex pot adapter. You said knob. I said I said knob. <laughs> Sorry, I had a Beavis and Butthead moment. That's okay. Um, there, plus, there's like there's like a ton of stuff. Just go over there and check it all out. It'd be, it's really cool stuff. That's our friends again. Cravenspeed.com. Um, no longer home of the electric mini. Sorry, knob. Kellen. I I ruined your spot with the word knob. Knob. You said knob. <laughs> <laughs> Guys, any final words tonight before we wrap this up? I think it's been a good show. Yeah. 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 We uh we covered a lot tonight, so I think uh, we did. People people are gonna want to bookmark this show and go back and listen to the uh, the tire segment when it comes time to buying tires, so they can get some good information. Exactly. That's awesome. And Chad, right Chad, at what point? One last thing. When should people rotate their tires? How frequently? Uh, you know what? I like that every five thousand miles. I think that's really good. 
Um, it keeps a nice even wear on everything. Um, you know, so basically every single time you're changing oil, rotate your tires, you know, yep. go front to back or, you know, left to right. Um, the minis tend to use the front right tire a little bit more than anything else. So if your wheels are not directional, you can kind of just keep rotating the tire that has the most wear up to that front right and putting the tire with the least amount of wear or the most wear in that uh, back left corner type of thing and just keep moving around. But so. always look for the stamp on the side, whether it says rotation direction. If it does say that, you yep. definitely need to stick uh, and just go front to back. Six, yeah, front to back. If, you, if you've got a rotational card, just front to back. That's all you got to do. So. And most of your performance tires are going to be like that. They're going to be rotational. Um the way they're designed but not all so and just so nobody has to look in the owner's manual the torque specs on all of the gen 1 cars are 95 and all of the everybody else is 100. going to be 108 108 that's yep. that's heavy that's some heavy torque well it's, it's got a it's got a big lug nut go get yourself go get yourself a <laughs> torque wrench and, and learn how to use it also yeah and <laughs> Realistically, you should always have a torque wrench. Um, you know, Sears had some on sale the other night for $39. Don't so. buy one from Harbor Freight. I had a Harbor Freight torque wrench once, and it lasted a season before. It just literally springs and smoke came out of the damn thing. Yeah, well, it's any Harbor Freight to tool that you try to use it's a one time uh, it's a one time use tool and and by that I mean it'll probably make it through one tire <laughs> one wheel. Yeah, we we actually did buy some Harper Freight tools the other day. We bought the gigantic uh, two inch wrenches and stuff. It's just basic steel, at, you know, super yeah. thick. At, you know, the size of my arm because it's a two inch wrench. It's like, well, you can't really screw that up. I know you need a screwdriver for thirty five cents. Harbor Freight is your place to go. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it'll do the job. All right, guys, thanks so much again for uh, for listening. Um, I'm gonna seriously plug in DBs with with the last comment thing because. Uh, I cannot do it. Um, even after 10 and a half years, I have no idea what he says. So, on that <laughs> note, gentlemen, good night. Questions, comments, or concerns, go ahead and click back over to whiteroofradio.com. There you can leave us a note in the show notes. You can also email us feedback at whiteroofradio.com. Until next week, Ink This DB. I'm done. Cheers. A bientôt.